in five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and I am back. And today I'm going to review some of the um, movies I've watched recently. And one I just watched this morning as I woke up, and it was Death on the Nile. And this movie to me was crazy because when I heard the name or like saw the previews for it, I just thought, I was like, hey man, this is kind of boring. I don't want to watch this. Like the name itself doesn't seem appealing. Now that I'm looking it up right now, I realize it's the, like the sequel to um, Murder on the Orient Express, which I think I have seen, or I've seen some of it, so I kind of want to watch that now, just to uh, catch up and see what I missed. I think, because I remember his, like, the main character, he did look pretty familiar. Um, but anyways, uh, the only way I can describe this is it was a very interesting story um i think it's typical in the sense that it was a whodunit not a locked door scenario but like you know they're on a boat so it's so it's kind of like a locked door like a locked scene it could only be the people that are on the boat but how did they do it? And on Victoria Day, like last month, not even last month, it was a couple weeks ago, I did watch the tail end of it. And I saw who did it, but I, like anyone, would wonder why or how they got there. So I decided to watch it. Um, I started it last night, like two minutes, then I turned it, like turned it off and went to sleep. And when I woke up this morning, I was like, let me just watch it. So. I just finished watching it not too long ago, and um, I would say I enjoyed it. It was interesting. I think all the characters um, had their own specialty. I don't know, like, I liked the movie, but I can't say, like, it was amazing, you know what I mean? Um, I appreciate uh, Kenneth uh, Branagh for his portrayal of Hercule Poirot. I like the beginning scene where you can see that he was just a farmer, but he was very sharp. But even in his sharpness and his cleverness, he could not save his captain. And then even later you found out because of the shell shock and everything, his love, he couldn't save her either, from a mortar. And because of that, he's turned his heart off from love, and he refuses to love. But he sees love with his friend Book, and um, his friend Book and Rosalie. And you know, the dynamics of everyone, and even like uh, 
seeing that he's interested in the like uh, Rosalie's uh, adopted mother, Salome, like you know. Uh, all of these tied together to make a pretty tight-knit story, I would say. Um, the thing that I don't get, honestly, is just why I don't have much more words. Like, I, I was watching it and making notes, but now that I'm sitting back recording this, I can't really say it, you know, I can, like this, like, Gal Gadot, like, I don't know, everyone's performance on this movie was, was good, it's just, I, I don't know, I feel like there's something missing, I feel like, I don't know, sorry, a lot of whodunits, or these, like, murder mysteries, it's so common, I think, maybe I'm burnt out from watching all this Criminal Minds, and Law and & Order, and, uh, Castle, I love, I love the murder mysteries, and I love, even, I love trying to figure out who did it before they can, and even if I don't see it coming, I love seeing how. So I think it was very clever what he did, um, you know, shooting himself, running to the other room, and throwing it up, the gun and everything. Like, I think the I guess because I kind of knew how it ended, I was kind of pieced everything together. So that may be why, like, it's kind of like a mess for me. But in the end, one thing I really did have to say is it's it was very Shakespearean. And knowing how it ended, watching it and listening to people's lines made sense to me. Like, uh, listening to uh, Louise... I could see, you know, anyway, not, not Jackie, it's a character. Yeah, listening to Emily K's character, Jacqueline, I could see that in the end that she was definitely going to die. She kept saying, if I can't have him, if I can't be with him, I would rather die. It was very, you know, Romeo and Juliet. I was trying to, I think, yeah, while I was watching, I was trying to think if there was another Shakespearean play that um, would better describe it. But, like, the only ones that come to my mind was, like, um, like, Hercules and Merchant of Venice. So I was like, I don't think anyone matches. But I guess the only one I can really describe is um, Romeo and Juliet. They love each other, but they can't have each other. Even though she's the one that kind of um, pieced together everything and plotted it just so he could get what he wanted. But, yeah, even the forbidden love between Brooke and Rosalie, um, you know, his mother sending his friend to investigate him. So nothing was a coincidence, but everything happened. Yeah, I'm sorry, I... I can't say much more for this movie. Um, would I watch it again? I don't think... I, I wouldn't mind <clears throat> watching it again. But... Um, yeah, that's it.
Now, the next one I really want to talk about is the movie that I watched last week, Saturday. And this was special because I watched this movie by myself for the first time ever. And I think I have to do it more often because, wow, that experience was something else. And the movie that I'm talking about is Everything Everywhere All At Once. So, the three acts of this was amazing. Um, the first shot, the first scene, like, you know, in front of the mirror. Because I, I, to be honest, I watched this movie because one of my movie sleuth or buff friends said he just watched it and it was in it. he was crying and he still was trying to process what he watched. And, you know, everyone that watched the movie said it was really good. So I watched it and I have to say they were right. Like the first, but like I didn't know anything at all. Like the first shot I was like, damn, am I gonna watch a horror movie? But no, it turned out to be something even greater, you know? Um, sitting there and watching Michelle Yeoh or Evelyn transform everything that was going on. Like, she, like, her character in this multiversal story is one that at every turn she made the wrong decision. So that's why she's so, that's why she's able to freely jump because she's missed every single possibility. And in that possibility, she's gone on to do great things like be an actress, a kung fu star, all these things, even the pinky thing. But it all boils down same thing because at first I was like damn is this going to be like a typical um, Asian mom working too hard and you know has a gay daughter but can't really accept it and then has the grandpa coming who really doesn't accept it or they're throwing a party so is, this, is it going to be this big coming out story all these things I really didn't know what to expect, expect. but when it and then like in the first act at everything um when like even like the first like t 10 minutes when you see like uh Raymond or Wayman like kind of doing this whole like karate stuff I'm just like what's going on here I don't know what's going on and then in the elevator at the IRS and he's like you have a choice either go to the thing or go to your meeting go to the closet or go to your and then, you know, her going to the meeting, but then following the instructions and then having this whole multiversal thing kind of explained to you. I'm kind of like, okay, I'm confused, but I'm still listening. And then, you know, as the whole thing unfolds and you start finding out what's happening and you find out that the main villain is the daughter, Joy. I thought, wow, this is going to end up being something beautiful. And quite frankly, it was. To see her um, decide not to fight her daughter, but kind of accept the same fate in, every, 
and then you know and even though and then the granddad saying I've seen this so many times you have to kill her but she chooses not to kill her she chooses to try and understand her daughter for once because let's be honest I think that's kind of what the movie is about and it can be an Asian story or an immigrant story or even just a typical story of your parents or your family comes from a different generation than you are and you have beliefs or your lifestyle um, is not the same as them and they say that they're understanding but they're or tolerant but they're really not you know it's very hush hush like with the whole gay thing like she like she says that she accepted it but even when she sees the other multiversal uh, uh, version of joy and she's like you're the reason my daughter is gay like so you can see those things where she has she doesn't really accept her daughter accept the gayness but she just kind of puts up with it and even like when she told her daughter like oh you're getting fat like all these things like just things that stuff from people from our generation we are trying to grow out i would like to see like generational curses and cycles and breaking of these traditional mindsets because to be frank they aren't working and that's why a lot of things in the world right now aren't working because um the foundation that everything is built on was cracked and not solid from the start so seeing act two where it's everywhere and she's seeing all of her lives all at once simultaneously and then joy saying i want you to i just wanted someone to understand or suffer like i do that every possible moment like everything is just a glimpse always being pulled to different timelines and versions just to see um which is kind of like today you know we all want a house our love you know we want to get married we want happiness but because of the things of the past generation you know a lot of us getting a house is unreasonable, you know. Escaping university or post-secondary debt seems impossible. You know, finding the person you love and having starting a family or staying with that person forever seems impossible. All these things that used to be normalized and um, accepted are no longer the truths. Because even Joy says, like, it's only ever a moment. And I really felt that. Because sometimes you're just you're trying to live life. You're trying to hustle. And you're trying to live life. And when things are good, it's good. And when they're bad, they're bad. But when it's good, it's only for a moment. Like, to be honest, I want to watch this movie again. I've watched this movie a bunch of times because... It is amazing, and I think it tells a really good story. To see, like, the logline would be a mother just once. 
happiness or peace or a mother just wants her family to be whole. And her family was whole to begin with, which is what I like about the last part. Um, uh, all at once. Because even I, throughout the movie, was so confused how at every turn when Evelyn messed up, like at the first part when she um, was really paying attention, and then she's like, "You have until this afternoon to uh, have until this afternoon to um, come back and file the taxes." Like how I was like, "How did Raymond? What did he say?" Like every time we seem to have missed it. Like what did he say? And then later, when. Uh, you know when like the last act when she's getting like arrested for whatever and then it just stops you know what i mean and i'm just like what did he say and then you know we finally sit down and she's talking to jamie lee curtis jamie lee curtis's character saying um yeah i got a divorce too it made me a little crazy i uh you know but you have to be a tough son of a bitch but then all of this like even throughout the movie her thinking that her life went wrong, that she had never left town and uh, never been with Raymond, that her life would have been nice. And even like when she's an actress, she says, I would, like, you know, we're destined to just open a laundromat and struggle. She's, he's like, I wouldn't have done that. And then seeing later in the movie that, and he says to her, like, I. I guess her weapon was trying to be on top of things, but his weapon was kindness. Quite frankly, it made me tear up at the end, you know. Um, like, even with the whole, like, mother-daughter thing where they're, like, just rocks. And, you know, they're talking. There's a lot of laughter in the crowd where it's, like, and even at every chance, you know, he says, just let her go. Like, you know, she created the donut because she was bored and tired, but really she just wanted it all to end. That in every reality, she was miserable. And the moments of peace and joy were fleeting, so she just wanted it all to end. And um, she didn't want to let go. You could see her, like, you know, ruin everything. You know, like by telling about Ido, the raccoon, like the ra the raccoon that was really funny, and you know, basically blowing up everyone else's life, and then you see her trying to fix them at the end, all to get to her daughter, but her daughter didn't want to be fixed, so she kind of just let her go, and as she was falling in, she listens to the words of, of her husband, and he was like, he chooses kindness. And that's, and then you start to realize that's probably how, at every step, when Evelyn made a mistake, you said correct it. Because even she's like, what did you say? What did you do? At first, I was like, is this man sleeping with her? Like, is that, because, like, I saw the divorce papers, right? I'm like, is this man sleeping with the IRS agent? Is that how they're able to get stuff off every time? Like, that's where my head went, you know what I mean? Which is kind of messed up. But, hey, that's, is that crazy? But it actually is that he was just being kind and being compassionate and 
God opened up, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis's heart, like, you know, and that's why they were doing that, and that's why they kept getting all these breaks, and that's why in the end, she's able to save Joy, because they just choose to enjoy the moments, and they pull her out of the donut, and they hug, and they're able to tell Gong Gong that that's her girlfriend, like, you know, which initially pisses Joy off, but it's what the healing they needed. You know? um, I'm not doing this movie justice, to be honest, but that movie, to me, was kind of like Tenet. Like, when I watched Tenet with my family, I got it right away. Like, basically, from the movie started, everything that was going to happen and already happened. We were just watching it all unfold. And I kind of felt that way with this movie. Because even, like, the couple beside me, he was like, I'm going to need to watch this a couple more times to kind of understand what was going on. But I kind of got it from the beginning that the whole point of the movie was Evelyn to open her eyes and see that the life that she's living now or all the decisions she's made in the end or ultimately were the right ones and she's in the life that she should be in and that no matter what reality she's in if she has Raven she'd be okay you know all these things because, like, even when she was a popular movie actress, she's sad and lonely. And her sensei said she has to train. So even this depressing kind of sad state that she was in about her daughter and the, the laundromat getting audited and everything, with Raymond there, like, it all was okay. Um, that once, like, you know, Janet found her person and in her finding her person that allows her to be happy and that her hiding that from her father Gong Gong was only repeating the same mistakes that he did you know kicking her out of the house throwing her away sending her halfway across the world him not accepting her and she didn't truly accept her so I think it was great that in the end they were able to find a real piece of acceptance I was also, it was kind of curious though that right away, like, Gong Gong was like, oh, that's girlfriend? I thought, I know it's like they're trying to tie everything together, but I thought it'd be more like, huh, apprehensive, but I liked, you know, in the end he accepted her and they all kind of were together and then, you know, like she said, I thought you were going to bring your daughter, brought her daughter. Like, everything that Evelyn was supposed to do but she was avoiding to do, she ended up got doing in the end and it all ended up working out so that i'm happy for and i'm gonna watch the movie a couple more times because that movie was amazing the entire cast was amazing it was funny it was like a crazy 90s movie um like all the craziness and silliness with all like you know current multiverse madness and multiverses in different universes and just a really good story all bunched into one 
and it's crazy, but I think it works. I think really movie production companies or movies need to be more like that. Like they need to stop trying to, like you know, stop trying to be Marvel and everything. Just do your own thing and be a little crazy. Cause look at the results. That movie was absolutely amazing. But uh, yeah, that's what I have to say about those two movies. Kind of all over the place, really. But um, definitely not enjoyed it. But you know, kind of like a left a man taste in my mouth. But everything, everywhere, all at once, amazing movie. Probably, I'd have to say, that's what I've seen all year. And I really liked Batman because The Dark Knight's my favorite movie, but yeah, that movie was way better. And quite frankly, of all of the other um, movies, Yes, I really enjoyed it, and I'm really glad I got to watch that movie because it's one of the good ones. And I don't really know what other movie I'm really looking forward to this year. You know, the Batman I've watched, Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any movie I really want to watch right now. Like Avatar is coming out. I don't know. Turning Red was nice, but yeah. I guess you'll ha I'll have to see if there is an actual movie that I, I want to see coming out. But that's all I have for this uh, movie review. Uh, talk to you next time. Peace. Hello. I just wanted to try something new. So before I close out the podcast, I'm going to read some Am I the Assholes and see what it says. So. This one is, am I the asshole for recording my female coworker without her permission? Um, I know the title sounds bad, but hear me out. I am a 28 uh, male, uh, have a female coworker, 26 female, uh, who likes to flirt with all the men at work. My wife, 24F, knows about her and how I feel. My coworker stays away from me unless it's work related because I shot her down a few times and told her on Monday if she didn't knock it off I would report her to HR. Yesterday that coworker found my wife's social media and messaged her telling her that I'm a creep and won't leave her alone and I tried to pay her for sex. I was honestly disgusted. I ignored her existence unless it's work related and I couldn't believe the blatant lies she was telling. Today I go into work and have my phone in my hand and record our conversation when I confronted her. I didn't show her face. I didn't show her face the camera. Wait, I didn't I didn't show her face. The camera was facing the floor. So uh and all it shown was the shoes. After some back and forth she admitted she was mad that I threatened HR and hoped my wife would force me to quit my job so I wasn't a problem anymore. Took the recording messages to HR and she was fired immediately. On the way out of the building she screamed at me that I was an asshole and a few other choice words for recording without her permission and that she sued me for it. Even a few coworkers said I was wrong for it. 
and that I should have just showed HR messages and how she's single and how she's a single mom and I just cost her kids livelihood. So I'm gonna be out of school. Uh, edit to add. I appreciate you guys' concern for me actually getting into people trouble or going to Google Ohio where I live in the US. So one party consent state. I have sent out a few inquiries to lawyers just to be safe to see if she does have a case. She was trying to go the legal route. I will keep everyone updated. Um, if she tries to sue me. So everyone's consensus was not the asshole. Um, not the asshole. If genders were reversed, everyone would be applauding you. Uh, always have proof and never go. Um, hmm. That one was interesting because that's crazy. That's why I stay away from girls like that. I don't know. Can't really trust people, especially at work. Getting a lot of um, not the assholes. I want to see one where it is the asshole because I need to see. Yes, this one says asshole. Am I the asshole for crying to my husband, the boss, about a coworker and making things awkward for the team? Oh, that sounds about right. I started working for a, subsidi a subsidiary owned by my husband's company about seven months ago. Only one person knew about my connection to my husband and my team, which is how I wanted it. Things have been going great for the most part, but there's one manager who treats me like an idiot. He doesn't listen to my suggestions and often talks over me during meetings. I didn't want to be that person who went crying to her husband to fix things for her. And I've had to deal with people like him for an old company, so I was trying to handle it myself. He had me and another woman who treats the same removed from a huge project that we both made significant contribution to suddenly, uh, to suddenly without explanation. I was so angry and upset about that when my husband asked me what was wrong, I just started crying and told him everything. He ended up having, he ended up having both of us put back on the project and is now involved in it. Too, even though it's far away from his normal job. Meetings have been super awkward for everyone and now everybody's stressed out because my husband is a perfectionist and is quick to point out flaws. They all know we're married now and a few co-workers who are my friends have been uh, treating me differently since. When I asked one of them why, he told me that I had made things awkward and now people just weren't working to finish a project but they were working to save their job and apparently my husband has fired people before in similar situations. He suggested that I ask my husband to stop overseeing this project, but I told him I, didn't th I don't think he would even know. I asked, which upset him. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, so he responded to your boss. Says sexist, unprofessional behavior with immature, unprofessional behavior of your own. Instead of going to HR or your boss's boss, you did exactly what you said you wouldn't do. And now you have made all your coworkers' jobs significantly worse by getting your overbearing perfectionist has been involved in overseeing this project because you have no personal or professional boundaries. Now all your colleagues know that you cannot be trusted and will cry to your husband to get your way. Not to mention that you could be putting their careers in jeopardy by involving the CEO of this planet. Your coworkers can never be your friend now since it's clear that you will run and complain to the CEO if anything goes wrong. And that they will never respect you like a peer or people since you have made it clear that you are not. That is crazy. Alright. I saw one at the top. That one was pretty good. 
Am I the asshole for telling my wife there is no way she is naming our son after her ex? Um, my wife lost her first husband, James, eight years ago. At the time, she was pregnant with their baby girl and miscarried soon after his death. We are now expecting our first child together, a baby boy. She was set on the name James. I told her that's too just too weird for me. And while it's a nice name, I don't want my son to be named after her ex. She dropped it and eventually stayed connected to the name Oliver. I loved it and we agreed. A few days ago, her family uh, was over for dinner. I told them when she told her, she said, oh, so like James. And I was confused. And well, she's like, well, that was James' middle name, wasn't it? After all, after they all left, I told my wife that I'd had it with her trying to push her ex into our lives like this. She said we were we already agreed on Oliver. I told her I'm not signing a birth certificate if her name is if she names him after her ex. She's she's big and sensitive. Her mother says I should let it go because it was just a middle name. Her sister says it's weird to name a baby after her ex in any scenario. Am I the ETA? I apologize for saying ex husband instead of late husband. My Mexican English isn't my first language, and I'm using the distinction between the words. The crucial and the setting, again, apologies. So, let's see what people are saying. A lot of people here are seriously out of touch. How is it okay that she tried to trick him into naming the child after her last husband, after he explicitly said he didn't go and talk with it? Come on, not the asshole. Um, yes, this. It's shocking to see young people. Um, saying you're the asshole when the wife lied and tried to trick and name your child into your dead husband, even after explaining how it makes her feel uncomfortable, not the asshole, OP. Um, to be fair though, you may not know the correct term of it. wrong of her to try and pick you into naming uh, your shared child after the departed husband. It's perfectly reasonable that you don't want to encounter But it's disgusting and disrespectful that you keep on referring to James as her ex. Ex implies that they broke up and are divorced. James isn't the wife's ex. It's her late husband. Her wife lost her husband and his left. And which led to her losing the daughter they were going to bring to the world together. It shows some respect towards your wife and all that she's been through. I think people are more mad about the ex-husband, saying the ex instead of late. Pretty cut and dry. I don't know. I thought these would be more juicy. Alright, I think I'm going to read this one and I'll be good. Am I the asshole for a few to get my partner to code to my safe? Um, throwaway unusual mobile for that thing. Apologies. I 32F and a gemologist. I spend my days in the lab testing and identifying stones. From the nature of my work, I also have a large valuable collection of jewelry, but also gem specimens that I keep in the safe. I specifically bought and installed to keep them in the safe. I also have a second smaller safe for keeping important documents like passports. I own my, um, my boyfriend, 32 male, 
two years, recently moved in as he was renting before. I gave him the code to the smaller safe, which he could put valuables in. But he also wants the code um, for my gem safe. Not funny thing though, but he says because we're living together now, I should trust him and give him the code. I've said no because he has a because re he has no reason to open the safe as the only thing it be used for storing my collection. And he said he has no interest in my gem collection. He doesn't want to look at them, but he wants to. But he still wants to, to have the code to access them. This is causing tension between me because he says I should give it to him as a show of trust, and I said no. He because he literally has no reason to go in there. He doesn't need the code. This is a six-figure collection, so I'm not being difficult over a few little gems here. I'm only am I the only one who uh, am I the only one who knows the code? I am the only one who knows the code, so am I being the asshole here? Um. definitely not the asshole because he's your boyfriend not your husband and not that I think that he would take the jewels or like anything from it but I think he has no need um, to me I think how I would think he's equating it it's like he's asking for your phone code like yes he has the passcode to your phone he never would open it and look at it, but he wants to have it. So I think he wants to show that you have trust in him. But personally, if it was me, I don't know. If my girlfriend, not my wife, if my girlfriend had like a safe or like something, like if she had like a room in her house. Mind you, it's her house, not his house. He's moving. He moved in with her. So she had a room in her house locked. And she's like, don't go in there. And I'm, and, you know, I want to go in there to see what's in there. She's like, you know, she told me what was in there. She's like, yeah, I'm not giving you the key or the code. Just don't go in there. And I'll leave it at that. I think he, um, I don't know what it is. I think he, he wants, he just wants he wants her to know that she trusts him, but like personally, I think it's not that big of a deal. Like whether you give it to him or not, it's kind of like it doesn't matter. You know, she gave him the code to the smaller safe to put all his valuables. What does he need to go? In? He's not interested in it. He has no reason to go in there. So why do you even want it? That kind of thing. And like I don't think it's anything nefarious, but. Listen, stop the asshole, just leave it. People say, um, definitely not the asshole. I wouldn't trust anybody but the code. Money does work with people, even the ones who trust completely. It's sad, it's crossed my mind that I have a question of family situation and I have a very large amount of equity in my home. I also have a lot of savings plus my job collection, which is a retirement fund two times over. I haven't told him exactly how much money I but he's not stupid and he can see I'm comfortable. Which is why I made which is why I made him sign sign a tenancy agreement before moving in. I didn't want him to be able to claim financial interest in my home if we break up. Obviously if we got further down the line and things would have been different, but it's but with all the commitments I'm really starting to uh, think that's why. 
I don't think she can ask it all, but I'm trying to find someone that does. Oh, Jenny, I agree with your partner's view is a sign of trust in the relationship to be open about things like this. You're still clearly not the asset to me. Said knowing your partner should accept that. It's your safe reflection and a valuable and valuable at that. If you're willing to share the code, that's okay. But he can't expect you to. That's the point where he's where he's um, starting to be wrong at an aspect. And him wanting the code and going as far as turning into a problem is a sign of distrust. By the way, which is obvious. It's always a bit ironic the people who claim behavior like this that's about trust when they're the ones with the issue. Not the asshole. I get your stuff out of the safe. I get your stuff out of the safe. He doesn't have access to. That reasoning and his insistence is so troubling. I'd legit reconsider the relationship. It screams like I'm going to steal valuable shit and gaslight you into thinking it was misplaced by you. This would be a hundred percent the start of a legal removal of his of his person from my home. Yeah, not the asshole. It's your way you can slip him so he understands like you don't need like how you don't need him. You shouldn't want his gym locker combo. Huge red flag. Yeah. It seems like red flag below to me. But um yeah, I'll try this segment out. Um, see if I like it. I don't know, next time I'll try and be a little I'll try and find a little more juicy one because I was just scrolling through. But that's all for today. Peace.